the Edible Gardens podcast, where we talk about how your edible garden can also be your beautiful landscape. I'm your host, Nanette Blair. Thanks for joining me. My dream is to make good food accessible to everyone. And in my opinion, the best definition of good food is nutritious, delicious, and safe. And it doesn't get any better than picking fresh fruit, herbs, veggies straight off the plant where you know what went into it from start to finish. Also, you won't find any tomato cages here. As a matter of fact, there's a lot you won't find here, including pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, or any of the other sides. But what you will find here are landscapes that are designed for beauty, reflection, fun, and entertaining, and the list goes on to whatever you want. After all, it's your home, your yard, and your taste, and beauty truly is in the eye of the beholder. Okay, you know that garden you've been thinking about, either the one you already have that just needs a little more oomph, or the one that's been in your head for who knows how long. Well, I know you're ready. I know I'm ready. So let's dig in. Okay, on today's show, we're going to continue on this little mini-series for comparison shopping for a gardening method. We are going to be covering container planting and raised bed gardening. The reason that I've put those together is because, well, they go together. They're, a raised bed is a container. So there's some really good reasons to do container or raised bed gardening, and there's some not so good reasons to do it. But it is a very fashionable thing right now. As a matter of fact, when you go to Google and you say, how do I grow garlic? It'll automatically populate in a container because so many people are looking for it, you know, how to grow something like that in a container. I'm going to cover the pros and the cons. And today I'm going to start with balcony gardening. So if you live in an apartment or a condominium or a townhome or a zero lot line home, then you are probably going to be forced into thinking about planting in a container. But before I go into that too deeply, I just want to say, now, a lot of times these landscaping companies will landscape with edibles. And one big one that I can really think of is rosemary. And don't feel bad about going and snipping off a few pieces of rosemary to cook with your chicken if you live in an apartment complex because they have to trim it anyway. I know I would go just snip off a few sprigs in some apartments that were downtown Fort Worth. I had no problem with that because, you know, they have to trim it back anyway. And rosemary is just so prolific and it grows so fast. But I did have a conversation with someone who was saying, you know, I know we have rosemary growing in, and they were in a different complex, but I'm worried about the dogs hiking their legs up on something like that. Thought process on that is, well, you know, just clip it from the top. Most dogs, now my dog is an Irish wolfhound. He can hike his leg up pretty high, but still, I know that the rosemary that was growing in her complex is a lot taller than he could ever do. But if you think about it, they're are there could be the most organic place out in the middle of nowhere it could be the jungle it could be out in the middle of a field where nobody ever goes especially to walk their dog but there's still going to be birds flying over so no matter where you are no matter how organic the garden is you still want to wash everything because it could have been from a bird 
It could have been from, I don't know, the wind blowing. It could be from any reason, but you know, if you live in an apartment complex or a townhome complex and they do landscape with edibles, consider that or even consider asking them to put them in if you don't have that. Going back to the balcony gardening, that's one of the really good reasons I can think of that you would want to grow in a container because you just don't have much choice. If you have a choice, I would say really reconsider, but if you, if you live in one of these situations, then you don't have much choice. Another situation that I had a conversation with my uncle just recently, he said he was going to put in some raised beds. I said, oh, do you really have to do that? You know, you could put it just right in the ground. He was like, no, you just don't understand. We have bedrock just inches below the soil. And I don't know if he meant two inches below the soil or, you know, 12 inches below the soil. I have a friend that I put in a pool and I saw the pictures and I was, I was in awe of how shallow their topsoil was. In their situation, they had that eddy chalk as their bedrock, but um, now you can build topsoil by introducing the microbiology, but it would take a long time for those microbes to break down bedrock, which, you know, that's the parent material of where, you know, of the topsoil that you have is all these microbes going to work on it. But we're talking years, we're talking centuries for <laughs> the microbiology to be able to break down bedrock into topsoil. So yes, that's another really good reason I can think of. Another really good reason, I was talking to someone else and she said, no, we have to build, same situation. I said, are you sure you have to put in raised beds? Because, you know, a lot of times I think that people are just putting in raised beds because it's the fashionable thing to do. I know that's what I did when I decided to get really serious about growing my own food. I said, we need to build some raised beds. And so my husband and I built some raised beds. So this is why I wanted to cover this because Sometimes it's the best situation and sometimes it's the only situation and sometimes it's not the right situation. So she was saying that she needed to build a, a raised bed because of her rabbits. We also discussed doing some sort of a cage or a cloche, which I'm not real crazy about. Now there some, are some really pretty ones that you can put on an individual plant. There was someone else that I was talking to and he was saying that they have like a four by four raised bed and they put netting over it to keep the, the birds out. So I think at some point you just have to say, we're just going to deal with the birds. We're just going to deal with the rabbits or we're going to make it to where we're just going to cage them completely out. And again, that is your home, your yard, your choice of how you want it to look and how precious they are, uh, these plants are to you. Because in my garden, I have so much that it doesn't really matter if um, a bird takes a peck out of one of my strawberries because I have so many. It just doesn't really matter. I do have things in containers, even though I have an acre and a half that I have a lot of edible landscaping on. And one reason is there's just some ways that a container will lend an aesthetic quality. I know that I used to have containers around the pool deck. I have containers that I just think they're pretty. 
And so I will have them for aesthetic reasons. But I also have things in containers because of freezing weather. So I have some plants like citrus, some hibiscus trees. I have an avocado tree. I have some lemongrass, just some things that I don't want to freeze and have to start all over again. You know, citrus trees are expensive. I paid a lot less than what most people would pay. I think I paid like $60 for a lemon tree, a lime tree, and um, an orange tree. I did that <laughs> the very first year we built our greenhouse. We don't have any supplemental supplemental heat in there. I just didn't know what I was doing. We We just threw them in there when we got it built right before a freeze and they all died. So now those plants are in a um, house we call the bunkhouse. It's just a little guest house that we have, but we we keep it heated and cooled because we just like for it to be comfortable in there. If we have guests in there, if we're doing something in there, in there. I mean, it's like 70 degrees in there. We'll put those uh, container plants in a safe place. If we didn't have that building, we would put them probably in the house. I'm not a houseplant person, so don't ever ask me about houseplants. I don't know about houseplants. I grow most of my stuff out in the garden, but we'll pull those back out when the freeze is over, and that's another really good reason to have things in containers. Another good reason to have things in containers is when we first moved to the property where we're at right now, I had several things in containers because I just didn't know where I wanted to put them. Blueberry plants that we had in containers because I just didn't know where I wanted to put them. And then when I figured out where I wanted to put them, then I took them out of the containers and put them into the ground. Um, but I can tell you that I was always constantly watering those blueberry containers because they just didn't, the roots just didn't have access to all of the moisture in the soil that was in the ground. And I had to water those containers with the blueberries in them way more than I had to water anything that was in the ground. The, wa the, the plants in the ground just have more access. And I guess that, you know, we've covered the pros. Now we're just going to go ahead. That's a good segue. Let's go ahead and go into the cons. So if you have a choice, just in general, plants are going to be happier in the ground than they are going to be in a container. And we've already gone over the reasons why it's good. Some things need to be in a container, including a raised bed. If you have a choice to plant something in the ground or in a container, the plant is going to be much happier. It's going to be a lot healthier. It's going to have access to everything that it wants and needs when it has access to the soil that's in the ground. When I say soil, soil is something that is a living thing. It has lots of microbiology. It has a fungal hyphae it has, or a mycorrhizal fungi that has access to the roots and the roots have access to it. It's just going to be happier in the ground. One of the reasons is the roots are protected from the heat and the cold. Not only do they have more access and deeper access to water, you know, whenever if, if it's really dry outside and you haven't had any rain in the last several hours or the last several days, if you go out there with a shovel, you can feel that the surface of the soil is real dry, right? If it's not covered with roots and grass or something, it's going to be dry, like bone dry. But then you dig down a little bit and now it's starting to feel more moist. 
you dig down a little bit more, it's a little bit more moist. So the deeper that the soil goes, the more it's holding on to moisture. And if that soil is a really good soil, it's really holding on to a lot more moisture. Usually you just have to pull back the top little layer with your fingers and you'll feel the moisture that's just a few inches down, maybe not even that much. It may just be that there's a hard crust of something on top and you just peel back that crust or you just kind of crumble that crust up a little bit like the mulch. The mulch will keep it there, but you'll feel the moisture there. Well, it's the same way with all the nutrients and everything else that's kind of, you know, makes the plant happy. So just in general, it just, the plant's going to be happier if it's in the soil and its roots, all of its roots are in the soil. Which brings me to another point, and that is that when you have a container that is even 12 inches up to like 3 inches up off the surface of the soil, let's just say it's altitude. <laughs> you have an altitude of, of a few inches all the way up to, I don't know, 3 foot. <laughs> 3 foot is the highest I could think of. Well, you know what? That brings me back to another really good reason to have a raised bed is if you have someone that's in a wheelchair, I know that when we did design the school garden, we designed it to be wheelchair height. So someone in a wheelchair could reach the top of the soil. So that goes in the pros category. But anyway, so going back to the cons category, if it's above the soil, all of those roots are going to be, especially if it's like a terracotta pot, all of those roots are going to be above the level of the soil. So it's going to be exposed to the temperature. It could be a really cold temperature or it could be a really hot temperature. Where I live, the soil stays at a pretty even keel temperature-wise. And if you've ever been down into one of those caverns, uh, you'll notice that or they'll tell you and it was always kind of surprised to me or it was a surprise to me I think I was a little girl when I went down in one of these caverns where you pay money and you walk in and you see all the stalactites and stalagmites with my grandparents or someone the temperature even though it was really really hot outside it was cool down there even though it was really cold outside it was still warm down there it stays at a really even keel now again that's where I live up north to me was in some of these colder states where it was like the tundra where the ground actually becomes frozen but they'll say in these garden books when the soil is workable that means when it's not frozen anymore I personally don't have to deal with that I'm in zone 8 the soil stays like I said a pretty even kill the whole time when I say the soil I mean down past a few inches it's still the same temperature down there, unless we have a long period, a prolonged period of uh, freezing weather, then it's still pretty much the same temperature. Or if we have a real prolonged period of hot weather, then it's still pretty much the same temperature. But once you get down to the point where the roots are go should be going down, the ground where I live stays on a pretty even kill temperature wise. I hope I didn't beat that dog to death here, but it, it doesn't change as much as it would if the roots in a container were all above the soil. So that's one of the really good reasons not to grow 
in a container if you have the choice to grow in the ground. Okay, uh, as I said with the blueberries, watering in a container is always real challenging. Even the ones that I have, my citrus trees, my hibiscus trees that I will keep in a container, I will not put them in the ground because now the avocado tree I might put in the ground. It has to develop, there's some stipulations there. It has to develop a scab on the base of the tree where it starts to turn brown and it's not that tender green. Anyway, uh, up to a foot or so up the tree before I can leave it out in those temperatures. It's a possibility that I might plant that avocado tree out in the yard. I don't know, I'm still kind of like, uh, I want to baby it. I, I don't want to let it go. I don't want to let it go off to college. <laughs> you know? um, I want to keep it at home. I'm just, uh, I'll be one of those hovering moms or those helicopter moms when it comes to that avocado tree. Unless I have several of them and I'm willing to gamble with that one. But it'll probably stay in the container. For right now, in my mind and in my heart, it needs to stay. I don't, I'm not ready to cut the apron strings yet on that one. But, and I kind of digressed on that, but there's things that I will keep in the container, and but I just have to water those more. If I go on vacation or if we're going to be away for a long weekend, I will have to ask somebody to come water for me, whereas the plants in the garden, I don't have to worry about them because the soil is so good. The soil is really holding on to a lot of moisture. I can let my garden go for... I would dare say weeks without a rain because I know there's plenty of moisture in the soil and I don't have to worry about the ones that are in the ground. I raised them right, <laughs> again with the, the, the child analogy, I raised them right, I don't worry about them. I know they're going to be okay. Getting back to the raised beds, a raised bed is a huge commitment. If you do it right, you're going to spend a lot of money. It's very expensive. When I say right, okay, so if you're going to build a raised bed, I'm going to give you a lesson on the raised bed that I learned the hard way. So you don't want to build with untreated wood because they're just not going to last. They're going to rot really, really fast, and they're just not going to last. If you build with treated wood, yes, there is some treated wood, and I don't know if they still do this or not. I don't do raised beds anymore, but I believe that there's arsenic in some of that treated wood. So that's a personal decision that you have to make. It's cheaper than doing uh, redwood timbers, which I don't even know how much those are, but I know that there's some people that will use something like that because they really want a raised bed. But they're really super duper expensive. It would be cost prohibitive for me, and I would never do that because they're just so much better off in the ground. If you've got a space to build a raised bed unless you have a situation like bedrock right under the soil or you have rabbits that you just don't want to get to your plants then I would say you're better off to build in the soil but if you're going to do a raised bed made out of some sort of wood here's the other thing they look really really beautiful that first year they look so good and you're so proud of them, but they get really dingy really fast. I would say the second year, they're going to look dingy. Now, I've never done it with cedar, but still, I've seen cedar on a building and it doesn't take a long time for them to become um, not looking like that beautiful cedar color after 
a short period of time. It's not very long. We're talking about maybe a year. If you stain it, then you're still going to have that consideration of what's in that stain. I know that there's natural stains that you can do like tea or coffee or things like that. I just don't know how long that lasts. They, the point is that they can look really dingy after a short period of time. Now, my, when my husband and I built ours, we built them, I want to say, out of one by sixes. Uh, I know with the school garden, we built it up to 36 inches, but it can get really expensive. And it was a lot of work. <laughs> you know, it wasn't something that I could just do by myself. And I don't believe it was something that my husband could have done just by himself. He would have needed someone to help him hold boards straight and hold this together. And, you know, it just was, it was not a one person job in a one afternoon type of thing for the ones that I was building. Now, I've seen some of the ones that they sell like at Costco and Sam's. And to me, that's just too much money for something that is just not as good. It's just not as good as just putting it in the ground. Another reason is that soil that you put in there that was just, it's just so beautiful and you can stick your arm down in there up to your elbow and it's nice friable soil, meaning that it's just loose and fluffy. It's that way artificially. It's because it's like it's been tilled and it will become compacted. If you don't have that good biology in there that's going to build structure in that soil, it is going to become compacted. And that was the reason, one of the big reasons I believe a lot of people do it to begin with is because they just didn't want to deal with the compacted soil that's in the lawn or in the yard in the first place. That soil that's in the raised bed, maybe next year, maybe the year after that, it will become that way. The other thing is it's a really good, especially with wood, it's a really good habitat for snails and slugs. They like to get down in there between the soil and the wood and they'll make themselves a little hallway, a little pathway that they'll come in and out, in and out, in and out, and they're going to eat all your little goodies. So you're protecting them from the rabbits, you're protecting them from the deer, you know, you're protecting your plants from those, but then you have the slugs and the snails that just like to get down in there between the wood and it's just not, it's just a really good habitat for them. Another thing that I found with raised beds is that the grass really will find its way in there. It'll wind its, you know, its little roots will get up in between those two boards that you put together. Now, if you put it down, you know, on the soil and you have more than a foot, it's going to kill all the sod. You know, a foot, two feet, three foot, it's going to kill the sod. There's no reason for you to put black plastic or landscape fabric down underneath that it's going to kill whatever you put it on top of, but the grass that comes in is going to come in from the side. It's going to weave its way in and get in there and it's going to grow up through the top. A lot of times too, a lot of weed seeds can blow in into the top and take hold that way. Or a bird eats weed and it, it eats a weed seed like a dandelion or whatever and then it flies over and it poops in your your bed and your weed seeds will take a hold that way as well. So it's not going to guarantee you that you're not going to have any grass or weeds, which I consider sod or St. Augustine grass to be a weed in my garden bed. It's something I don't want there. But life loves edges and the grass and the snails and the slugs, they're going to come in that way. They're going to intrude into your nice little container that way. The other thing that I that I'm not real keen on with a raised bed is that it's very limiting. You can't just pick it up and move it. 
if you want to take it apart, you can just take, and, and if you decide you don't want raised beds anymore, I would keep all that soil that's there. I would keep the raised bed there and I would just remove that wood and just kind of let it be a mound. This is like a big thing and I'm seeing it in a lot of landscaping. It's just beautiful. They call it a berm or a mound. Instead of having the rocks or bricks or pavers up next to where you want to have a good straight edge to weed eat or to trim there, say you pull the rocks and the stones away from your edge, or if you're pulling the wood off of your raised beds, then you can dig a little trench all the way around and you have and you have your grass there. The, your sod comes right up to the the edge of that and I would say a good two to three inches. Make yourself a nice straight edge where if you're doing it or whether you have a, lawn, a landscape company that's coming to do your lawn do it and they can just edge and that's what I do. I just love the way it looks and it basically what I'm doing is a raised bed but it's without the wood. It's not a container. It, there's nothing containing it in. I've seen a lot of pretty ones that are made um, Oh gosh, without wood, what what is it? Uh, corrugated metal, some things like that, and it all looks real pretty in the beginning, but then after a while, it starts to buckle. And I don't know if you can tell, I'm not a big fan. I do believe that there are reasons to have containers and raised beds. The cons outweigh the pros, if I'm saying that right. It's better to have it in the ground if you have a choice. And I would say, if that's all you have is the choice of having a container or a raised bed, then do it. It's so much better to be growing something and building up your skills because your experience, what you learn from doing is gonna be the most important thing. That's how I know. That's how I know that raised beds are not right for me because I've done it. And if you wanna do it, I would say do it. Build yourself a raised bed. See what your experience is like. See if you have slugs and snails. See if there's something that you can do that, to keep the grass and the weeds and stuff out of it. I'll tell you another thing that I experienced was fire ants. Fire ants in the raised beds. Fire ants, for whatever reason, they love to be up against wood. If you have a stump in the ground, they love those stumps. <laughs> they they love wood and if there's some place that they can get up against a piece of wood they love it so fire ants is yeah it's another really big one but what I'm doing now is a berm or a mound and that's really kind of another form of a raised bed now here is another thing that I would want to say about building a raised bed if you're building a raised bed on top of a problem, it's not always the best solution. Uh, say you're building a raised bed on top of a drainage problem. Well, if you don't have a bottom on the raised bed, like say it's not on top of concrete, if you have an open-ended box on an area where water flows constantly underneath there, it's not going to really fix that problem. You're still going to have water either damming up or it's going to dig down even farther and it's going to create a worse erosion problem, if that makes any sense. I hope that makes sense. If not, let me know on Facebook that I didn't make that clear. I'm just not really sure how else to say it, but if you have 
a water problem where water is running and you build a raised bed on top of that, it's either going to dam it up or it's going to do both or it's going to create erosion, which is just going to pull all of that beautiful composted soil that you put in your raised bed. It's going to wash it out the bottom side. Another good thing uh, to mention here is if you build a raised bed on top of a stagnant water situation, like you have pull, you have water that pulls in an area, P-O-O-L, pulls in an area and you build your raised bed on top of that, you're still going to have an anaerobic situation. And all of that anaerobic microbiology is going to work its way up into your raised bed. That's what I would think. Now, I don't have any proof on that, but I would really reconsider building a raised bed on top of a problem. But you're also going to want to make sure that you building a raised bed is not going to create a new problem. Like, it's, you know, if water is rushing through there and it's building a wall, now it's going to rush around it or under it or it's going to pull up against it and it's going to create a dam. So that's just something that I would consider. I would say in an all-encompassing way, I mean this sincerely from the bottom of my heart, if you're having to make a decision on whether or not to grow in a container, I would say if you don't have a choice, then do it. It's much, much better to go ahead and grow something in a bad situation than it is to grow nothing in a good situation. Learn as much as you can, observe, and then retry something else, and then observe that, and then retry something else, and don't give up because uh, you're just in a bad situation. <laughs> because when you move to a better situation, you know, they say you have to grow where you're planted, right? And that is so true. I don't know if any other truer words were ever spoken. But if you want to grow and you know that you may be moving to another place and you really want to garden, it's better to learn from yourself, from your own experience, than it is to learn from me or anybody on YouTube, especially if they don't live where you live, if they don't live in the house that you just moved into, if they don't live in the neighborhood that you live in, in the climate or the USDA zone, your experience is going to be your best teacher. I guess that I kind of beat that to death today on the container and the raised bed situation. If you are following along in this little mini series on choosing a methodology for gardening on Friday, tomorrow's show, uh, we're going to talk about how this all ties together and how I have come to the conclusion for me, for myself, that an edible landscape really does tie everything together. And how you can use your critical thinking and your observations to tie it together in a way that makes sense to you. And as we wrap up today's show, I want you to know this podcast is dedicated to you. If you're searching for a better source of food for yourself and the ones you love, I'm inviting you to come along on this journey with me. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, you can hit that subscribe button and let's all figure out together how we can put delicious, nutritious, and safe food on the table. And remember, your edible garden can also be your beautiful landscape. Until next time, have a great week, everybody. Bye for now.